Hello and welcome to the Darjeeling and Cigarettes podcast, a podcast on culture, tech, ethics and human behaviour. On today's episode, I, Fahim, was joined by Kartek. Uh, today, Kartek talks us through his own childhood adventures in ASMR. Uh, for those of you who don't know, ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And uh, trust me when I say it's a lot funnier than it sounds. Uh, we also talk about moving to London and making friends, uh, social networking, getting conned, and psychopath CEOs. Uh, we talk about the highs and lows of being a cigarette smoker. Uh, hit us up on social media to let us know what you think and join the discussion. Links at darjeelingandcigarettes.com. Uh, that's it for the intro, folks. Uh, hope you enjoy the show. What the fuck were we talking about? Were we talking about something? We're talking about ASMR. Oh yeah, ASMR. Yeah, so I had no idea. I had no idea. You're not recording it still. Is it recording? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) I'm just just reaching across the room. I had no idea where ASMR was until very recently. Oh, how do you how did it find recently? Well, actually, just uh, to be honest with you, I think you when we were early when we met, we've mentioned there SMR or something in conversation. That's right. We we talked about it. Right. And I, it wasn't the first time I'd heard it, and but it was kind of almost like it was like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle that. Once you added that information, I was like, "Oh, I get it now." <laughs> like, oh, was yeah. I was I the person who revealed the magical world of ASMR to you? Yeah, See, kind of. I I, I have like that a long weird, yeah. long and personal relationship with ASMR. Uh, <laughs> so, oh my God. yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna unburden myself. Well, yeah, I mean, we also uh, we, yeah, go on then. Okay, so, so, so yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell you let's my story, story, my journey with ASMR. So. Ever since I was a child, I knew there were plenty of things wrong with me. And one of the things that was wrong was uh, this fascination for slow, soft talkers. Uh, It wasn't anything weird or pervy, uh, because I didn't have the internet at that point to tell me that it could be pervy. Uh, So I still remember this. I used to, I was was a fairly good student. I'm not trying to be humble or braggy, but like I, I did good at school. I was good at taking tests. So I had a lot of friends who wanted to study with me. So, and usually I found it boring because I hate, I hated like all my classmates as a kid. Like I wasn't good friends with any of them. I had like zero friends till I went to college really. Oh, you Uh, should talk about that at some point. Yeah, we definitely should. Um, I mean, I had friends, but. No. uh, No, not not really. (laughs) Uh, It was unidirectional friendship. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, as a, as an adult, I'm. I think I I don't know I I I sometimes wonder weirdly the, whether or not I do have friends and I'm not really sure about the answer to that, which again is another time. But let's carry on. Let's carry on. So, adventures with, so, so with my fake friends in school, like I would have these like study uh, groups, and then we would study together. And most of the times, like, I mostly did not need any help, so I would pick them based on their auxiliary qualities. So. 
one of the auxiliary qualities that I started picking my study group mates was someone who would talk very slowly. These were all guys. Like, don't make it weird. How, how, how old were you talking about? Here, I was like nine or eight. And then the part that like soothed me the most, like so you're, the, you're like an eight or nine year old picking your friends based on the quality of their voice. I mean, yes, and proximity as well. Like it was just a big deal. Like when you're a child, like your friends had to be close yeah, to you. They've been in the same class, really, didn't they? Or like in the same neighborhood. Like I would oh, never yeah, take a bus to go study with anyone, ASMR or otherwise. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, that was just off the off the limits. So it has to be in the neighborhood. Hopefully a soothing voice. And what I would do... And, and the soothing voice belongs to also another eight or nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah. It's just the same kid right, in the okay. same class. And yeah. it, was, it was a guy. Like, I don't, I don't want to name names, but... Uh, oh, there was a particular guy? Th- there was a particular guy. Oh, yeah. fuck. And, and so... Well, guy, yeah, guy. We, I guess, can we call it a... What are you, boy? Guy, it's, it's boy, like a, it's, a, it's a boy, yeah. Child. It's currently a guy, formerly a boy. But we're just, just stressed. They're both children at the same time here in this story. In this story, just to just to emphasize, both parties involved were children. The the choice and the chooser were both children. Uh, so the and then so, I, so you you had picked uh, this guy to study with, right? As your study buddy, as my study buddy, and that's not where it ends. I would deliberately. But how did how did like how so how did you learn that? I mean, was it conscious as well? So we were in the same class. So no, but the choice of him based on his voice was oh, yeah, that conscious. It was definitely conscious. I'll tell no you, way. and it goes even further. Oh, like no. there was a plan to it. It's not sufficient if he just like study. What I would make him oh, do no. is oh my god, essentially, you're such a deviant. I know. I'm, 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 I have many problems. Uh, so what I would do is I would ask him questions which were simple. That I already knew the answers to, just to hear him explain it slowly and soothingly, and it's it's also weird because oh, like I had blowing to, my mind right now, dude. What the the choice oh, of God. the pick was not necessarily on the on the tone of the voice, right? Like it was also based on like the the pace. It has to be slow, deliberate, detailed explanation that would just make <laughs> me feel very good and sleepy after some time. Uh, <laughs> So I would, I would kind of structure the study sessions so that this was the highlight of the whole thing, uh, and then I would have like my little schemes about. Oh, I'm not really sure how to solve this. Like, how would this happen? And then this person would explain this to me, and then I would be like, "Oh, it feels so good." And then I feel like dirty afterwards, as I as I should. Like I feel weird, like telling telling this story right now, and I'm just like, "There's something messed up about you, Karthik." Is what I would go on to tell myself many times later <laughs> subsequently uh, i don't know if i get that far but go, go on go on go so, so and then i knew this had happened and then i went to high school then i realized that like you can't really be a sociopath and use people based on certain superficial qualities wait but say hang on you 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 talked about i mean was there more than this one kid then it was it was mostly this one kid, but this was a pursuit of my passion so strong that I had like a whole scheme, a plan, yeah. a, a, a kind of a deception behind this, yeah. right? And yeah. it didn't make me feel that good, but I knew the impulse was strong. And 
Yeah, and 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 the, all I mean, because there's nothing, there's nothing sexual about this. Is there, there was nothing sexual about it. There still isn't anything sexual about like my attraction to ASMR. I'll tell you right, why okay. there isn't. It's mostly by choice. But uh, well, okay, no, carry on, carry on with the story then. So, so like, I went to high school and then I went to college. I I always knew this this kind of side to me, right? Like, I would particularly enjoy professors who talk Wait, like how, this actually go, going back though to the to this kid should we give him a name let's call him dan uh, let's call him dan i'm sure his i grew name up in india there were many dan's this is completely not a made-up name it's highly likely that this person's named dan <laughs> let's call him dan so dan so dan is eight nine years old you're eight or nine years old you study buddies you're going around so it's how you get to know each other Right as well, and what do you think of him as a person? I think he's a good guy. Like uh, yeah. I, I was, I was friends with him all through school, uh, yeah. and even after school when I went to college, till I left India. Really, yeah. I stay in touch. So, so you friend, yeah, basically friends with this Dan. In as much as I would call yeah. my relationship with any of my classmates in school yeah. friendship, yes, this person was a friend. I still, I, yeah, yeah, I think we should put a oh, pin on the yeah. friendship topic. Okay, but. so. so. <laughs> Because <laughs> there are many questions here now that I think about it. <laughs> but where, where's? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. So yeah, it just carries, it just carries on. Whoops, I'm banging the mic. It just, it just carries on. You're still friend. Well, you, you know, you, you're friends with him for many years. Right. Yeah, so, right. So it wasn't like a purely yeah. parasitic relationship. Yeah, yeah. But um, did that ASMR element? How long did that continue for? Oh, it continued forever. Like, I always knew that I liked it. So when I went to university... Uh, no, 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 with with Dan. Oh, till, till I kind of got busy with school. Like, till I had to... my The cost for my ASMR addiction was much higher <laughs> than, like, me not wasting time by studying with someone who knows... Uh, like yeah, more yeah. or less what I know, or even less, uh, was was not very enticing. After some point, I had to I had yeah, to make a yeah. judgment call. I was just like, grades are important yeah. than weird feelings that you can't explain yet, because I didn't even know that it was called ASMR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was just like a pleasantness that you wanted to be around. It was a pleasantness right? in my head and my ears and my overall skull that I really liked. <laughs> Uh, that I couldn't couldn't explain like w- why it was happening, and it felt too weird to talk about it. It feels weird to talk about it right yeah. now, and I'm sure like no, people yeah. have heard of ASMR, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, I well, carry on. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you how I found out about the term ASMR. Uh, I was in college, and then YouTube is like catching on. Internet was still like pretty shit in India, uh, and Reddit was still like a big thing. And one day I was like searching on the videos, uh, subreddit, whatever, and then I come across this like woman's video where she's essentially like folding laundry and talking about her day, and the person who said it is like, I find her voice very soothing. Is there anybody else who liked this? And I mean, it was on the front page, right? Like, it was like a super big uh, mm. videos uploaded. Like, and somebody in the comment section goes, Oh, yeah, there's a term for this. It's called ASMR. Yeah. I think it's autonomous sensory meridian response or so, so, something like that. Uh, or auditory. I'm fucking it up. But uh, the, the, the thing is, it's. It's a feeling that a large number of people share. Like they, mm, they're very mm. sensitive to this kind of soothing voice. Yeah. 
and well, it's not and it's not necessarily just a voice though is it it's, it could it couldn't like, like the laundry was the there was a laundry sound or so, something as so well. so i think there are some people who find particular sounds very soothing mm. like uh i think some people like paper being you know ripped apart there was so much material yeah, out there yeah, like i haven't even yeah. fully explored it <laughs> but once i saw this like video and mm. this post you, i've your thing is voice though mainly you'd say my thing is voice and like their delivery uh, i think you could have a very soothing mm. voice but if you talk like i do which is quite fast mm. it kind of loses its appeal yeah yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you need a slow mm. deliberate talker yeah. now i think that's pretty common in all <laughs> asmr voice stuff isn't it you have to be i don't think there's any fast asmr i don't know much about it but carry on then so when when I saw this, there were two reactions that I had. <laughs> One was excitement, uh, and other was relief. Uh, excitement yeah, that like oh shit, like the fact that so many people are into it means that there yeah, are so many yeah. interesting videos that I could watch. Yeah, I think that's 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 that's. I mean, I think that's happened. I think that's probably happened to everybody at least once through the internet. Like they've. You know, they've some somewhere on the internet they've come across something. They've gone, like, oh my god, like I'm not the only one. Like what? And there's so many different possibilities of what that could be. I find that I mean that's an amazing part of the internet. I think absolutely. And I don't think you're naming it, like, but I think most people experience it through some kind of weird porn, weird fucked up porn <laughs> that they like. At least, I mean, if I'm being honest with it, yes, like I've, I've had that experience with porn as well. It's just like, no, well, I. I guess it. I mean, the internet is hugely porn filled with porn, so that's gonna happen. Internet is ninety eight percent porn. It's a fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, I was actually thinking, <laughs> I was such an innocent mind. No, I was thinking, um, kind of health, health issues. Like I, I have it like a, in a big thing, in a big way, where you know, if I if it wasn't for the internet, like I wouldn't have like communities of people with the same health issues that i have right and that we can discuss it and like you know you t- i mean there's so much there's a lot of this going on where you know com- yeah communities of kind of patients are getting together discussing symptoms and how they've handled those and dealt with them in their lives and body blah and all that kind of stuff you were just talking about tits and ass. <laughs> yeah. well yes uh i mean they're they're also essential they're an integral part of life and 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 this, the slow dulcet tones of an eight-year-old boy <laughs> This I feel like this particular clip from this podcast is going to be my downfall. <laughs> no, I'm, like that, taken out of context, that sounds very wrong. I think that's. I think in a weird way, I think that's kind of like a bit of a. What is it about ASMR? Because ASMR has this kind of sort of creepiness attached to it in some kind of way, which I find is completely. Un, there's no real reason for it, but there's this this kind of. But I don't know what it is. No, no, it's that? it's definitely there. But, like, I think mm. if you really like ASMR, you kind of knew it as well. Like, in the sense that... No, no, but why? Why, but, why would that possibly be? Because I mean, imagine so feeling wrong, nice right? and, like, someone talking to, uh, talking to you, like, some dirty stuff, right? Like, you get, like, two things. Mm. One is you're getting turned on because someone's saying dirty to you or talking dirty to you. And, like, mm. B, they're doing it in a very slow way and very <laughs> casually. <laughs> but uh, I should... And no, very slowly. Yeah, which... Yeah. Which could ruin it potentially, depending on what's being said. 
But I feel like yeah. it could be it could be a, interesting. But in a weird way, I'm kind of like, why wouldn't that be that? Why wouldn't that be appealing? Why isn't? Why wouldn't that like? Why wouldn't everybody just find? I think because ASMR has this sort of like a, a, like almost a label of being a bit of a kink, right? But I kind of I, I, like, I don't I don't think it is. Though. I mean, like a lot, like, of the, like, lot of lot of a lot of videos on YouTube are. Or there's nothing sexual about it, but yeah, yeah, no. But even the, even in the non-sexual thing, that's a kind of it's got a kind of a kink. It's kind of got, got, still got a kind of a kink. To I mean, it. I think any kind of like cognitive loophole that gives you pleasure yeah, yeah. can be categorized as a kink. And in that sense, I think ASMR could technically be called a kink. I'm not I'm not a yeah. sex psychologist or anything. But the, are you not <laughs> watching a lot of porn? Apparently, doesn't give you that qualification. So uh, the the, the <laughs> no, yeah, hang on, wait, wait. I I actually I so you I want to go back to the story a little bit because you've you you so there was two things you said you said there's two things you felt like relieved that I'm not uh, alone. Oh yeah, yeah. and you're excited in the in the in terms know, of the content. content so yeah. so I where does where does that go from there? I I will, I will tell yeah. you it doesn't go I mean spoiler alert not not very far. Oh, uh, I was uh, hoping for like a like a downward spiral like, into like, a, like, like a, depravity. Like a, like a sex dungeon for ASMR <laughs> in my apartment. Uh no, like uh, like with a lot of things like I I have a very addictive personality and uh, yeah, we can we can talk more about it later uh, if you want. But <clears throat> and one of the things that I've realized is that there are some doors that like you just don't want to open because the the thing is like okay, wait, wait. if I, if I if I have like a dependency on it, right? Like, and if it's like some yeah, because yeah, I yeah. I knew about its existence when I was a kid. Right, yeah, like, yeah. and I've schemed yeah. to study with like other, yeah. other yeah, you people. kind of this. You, it's one of those things where you go, this could end in like me wrapping a dead body in a carpet, right? <laughs> like, where that, is this gonna go? I mean, <laughs> not t- taking, li- the hand, taking the handbrake off the car and just rolling it into the lake. <laughs> like, what? Like, how did I get here? It just started with like, you know, Dan. <laughs> Bingo. Dan, Dan, where have you led me? Exactly. So I didn't, it's not just as severe, but I was just mm. like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to start getting into yeah. it because I feel like. But where, va- did, okay, but, but where did you go though? Like, so you d- discovered this video on, on, on Reddit. So I watched it on YouTube. Yeah, on I YouTube. watched like a bunch of videos <laughs> on YouTube. I found like the oh, porn you, okay. versions and like oh, I've yeah. seen them as well. When uh, you say like we, when you say a bunch, do you mean like you were kind of like exploring that? Part yeah, like of... for for a few days, like yeah. uh, like not not just like locking myself in a room and like <laughs> you know drool coming out of my mouth, uh, yeah. and just stuck to my chair, uh, nothing like that. Like, but it was good. Like, but then it just felt like like a lot of these things. Like, it just felt like oh my god, I'm gonna waste so much time on it, and it's just something that I don't even have any. Uh, control over enjoying right like it's not like great content like nobody's gonna read war and peace and asmr and you're gonna fall asleep if they do right like i'm sure there are some channels like don't don't email me but uh in in general yeah like i just wanted that distraction away from my life sorry it's just a bit of an anticlimactic end <laughs> after dance uh after dance beginning yeah 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 no dan yeah i mean it, it I mean, I sort of you don't. I don't want to say like, yeah, you were probably sensible to cut it off, but like, yeah, in the context of Dan, 
probably a good idea not yeah. to take it too far. Exactly. Like, I listen to, like, a lot of true crime podcasts, and in most of them, like, when they analyze, like, the history mm. of the serial killer, mm. there'd be something that he did at, like, seven or eight-year-old, which would just be like, oh, mm. what the fuck? Mm. Uh, you were trying to do that? Like, and they somehow always seem to connect it back. Most mm. of it are probably bullshit. Mm. But at that time, I felt exactly like what you described. It's like... Going going down in the future, like, I don't want to be, like, a criminal or, like, a weirdo just because, you know, I can't, like, control myself from getting that ASMR fix. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, like, I've, I've, I definitely, <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely, I think, I think it's pretty normal to have, I mean, is it just, it's just totally normal, basically most human beings have this kind of, I wouldn't response. go that far. Like, I don't know the statistics on it, but I've I've definitely made my sister hear this video mm. uh, because it's just like, come on, check this out. Like, does it make you feel anything? And I gave her, like, good earphones, uh, good headphones, and just just perfect audio mm. setup, mm. right? She's just like, this feels weird. Like, it's just like a girl talking in a hushed voice. Like, what is so great about it? Mm. She didn't get it. I'm sure, like, there are some people who don't get it. Uh, I think if you don't, if you don't, get it you basically don't have it you exactly. don't have that response if you don't you like if you have the response you get it immediately you're like yep i get it like it, this feels nice in my ears and in my head yeah it's, it's a bit like sexuality you know you you, yeah. you kind of know it right like it's it's something that that appeals to you yeah there's some kind of i guess there's yeah it's all weird chemical responses i guess it's just very strange i don't know what's the evolutionary purpose of this though it seems like a bug rather than a feature like <laughs> uh, like in the sense i like oh what in the ancient days you survived because you'd like people who whisper to you yeah there's i think there's a lot of like i mean obviously I, i'm kind of like kind of into music a lot and the, that's the same kind of there's a lot of this kind of like audio like music like what is music like why do we respond to it but we don't really know um some there's lots of interesting theories on it but yeah well there you go there's my there's my asmr story yeah that's wild dan man wow like if he, he was he was he aware of it and he's he, he, he's been aware of it so if like there's basically no chance that Dan is listening to this. Uh, there, I I doubt if there's any <laughs> chance if anybody else is listening to it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's no chance that Dan's listening to it. But let's say Dan was listening to it. What would be your message to Dan? My message to Dan would be: I'm really sorry. Uh, I hope I hope the study sessions were more useful to you than they were to me. Uh, well, but why, and, why would you be sorry? Would you, would you think you need to be sorry? Do you think there's a reason to be sorry about it? Because you are playing strange, manipulative games with an eight-year-old boy <laughs> in order to get, like, uh, some kind of fix. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, it, when you phrase yeah. it like that, that is, is it not bad? Like, that's why I feel bad. can you phrase it, can't I? <laughs> See, it's one of those times, like, when I feel sad for not being a sociopath. Because <laughs> I, have, I have too many feelings about, like, mm. uh, scheming and, like, uh, it, it felt yeah. dirty, right? Like, it, I'm not necessarily, like, sorry about it. It's, it's yeah. The sorry is mostly for myself. No, I think, to be honest, like, as, as you know, as an eight-year-old, as an eight, eight, eight nine-year-old, I think you kind of, you, you do those things a little bit. I think you do some things like that. 
like I'm trying to yeah like just to because it's all new to you and you're experimenting you're learning life and stuff and I think really in a, in some ways particularly this the sort of like essentially manipulation that you went through with this kid like that's that's I think the ASMR element of it I I think is fine I think that's normal I think so that too. manipulation side of it like it's not so normal and you can kind of see, like, okay, that's kind of like as a child experimenting like that, getting that feeling of going like, oh, this, I, there's some, I know there's something wrong with doing this. Like, I'm feeling the like pleasure in my ears and in my brain, um, but I know there's something wrong with doing this because I'm manipulating this kid, right? And you kind of hopefully you know it, and you hopefully know that because whatever whether it's just human instinct to do that with people or obviously your environment and your upbringing right um but you 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 tweak on that but yeah it's interesting to think if you didn't if you didn't like go oh this is this manipulation is wrong i'd be in jail probably by now yeah, I mean, it, you can sort of, yeah, and I think you... I or maybe get, the CEO of a company. Have you heard, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. psychopaths or, like, or sociopaths, uh, their leading professions are CEOs and, like, lawyers. Oh, God. Well, look at you. You're yeah. both. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see it. The weird thing is, when people say it, I can see it. And I think sometimes I, I'm de- I, I'm not I, I I refuse to accept that I'm a psychopath or even uh, ladies and gentlemen as the only person who's met uh, Fahim uh, I can I'm still on the fence. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. One one thing I do have that is a little bit weird like that is 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 I think I do have a more of an ability to switch, and I think that comes with. I think working in certain fields and stuff as well. You'll probably like you work for a bank, man. <laughs> like I don't work for a bank, but yeah. <laughs> I work for a financial institution. Yes. Yeah, but like there is, there is. I mean, there's that concept, isn't there, of where you basically silo your work life. You know, like if you work for BAE and essentially like you're making killing machines or whatever, and you go home to your family and your kids and your stuff, and you know you read bedtime stories, sure. and you cuddle and stuff. And essentially, you're kind of siloing those two kind of worlds. And actually, I think it's true that the people who perform well in those types of jobs, in, in those types of roles, part of part of their, part of the, you know, almost like a prerequisite to like performing really well in those roles is that you can silo those things very like really well. Mm-hmm. So you can, you don't, you know, while you're while you're sitting at your desk, like designing, like you know, killing machines, you don't feel weird about it. You're just like focused on doing the job, and yeah, I think I don't think that's like I think I don't know what that is. What is that? Is that is that like a name or something? I think this probably does, but um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of being a psychopath. No, no, I I, I was kind of <laughs> kidding, like when I said it, like, but at the same time, I totally take mm. your point. Like, people are very good at compartmentalizing stuff, mm. uh, so they can compartmentalize like whatever they're doing. But the thing is, uh, I think some professions, like if you are a CEO that needs to lay off, like you know, half your company, right? Because you're changing mm. course of your business or mm. whatever. Mm. That's not a very easy decision for like a person with a lot of empathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, if you keep thinking about like what's going to happen to your employees, 
you you would have to struggle with making that decision i'm not saying that every ceo has like an easy time mm-hmm. making this decision right but the people who tend to rise to the top would have had to make a whole bunch of these similar decisions in their career uh mm-hmm. and so therefore it's kind of like a self-selecting system i yeah. think that's oh, the way i see I it I, i kind of on that point i actually disagree with you because you're you're talking about something a little bit different i mean yeah in fact we were talking a bit more about the psychopath thing and we're talking about empathy and the, i guess we were saying that if you don't have empathy you can you know ruthlessly lay off staff or whatever but my thinking is a bit different to that like i think if you have a high level of empathy then empathizing with not just your staff actually not just your employees or whatever but also your users and and you know you, you know people that interact with your business or whatever but if you have a high level of in in respect to the employees for example if you have a high level of empathy that drives you that drives you hard like there that's like is it is it somebody like as a ceo if you even if you've got like a very small amount number of people working for you which i do right like you know like they're totally relying on you and if you empathize with them and you appreciate that they have lives and they have like aspirations and dreams and things and actually a lot of their aspirations and dreams are totally reliant on you you right. know like they're they're almost like their lives are in your hands a little bit you know um and you know that is quite a driver like it can it can be quite a driver no i i i see that like and i mean despite like whatever my view or my explanation of mm. what i think is the reason why these kind of people rise to the top uh, i do feel like being uh kind and having empathy will make you work better with other people mm-hmm. and therefore make you overall productive uh so i i i disagree with this theory as well i don't think you need to be like a psychopath to be whatever like a ceo or a lawyer or <laughs> any of these professions right uh apparently psychiatrist too uh so like yeah no I, you can totally work around it and nobody should aspire to be like a psychopath although i might have <laughs> i might have very early on said like i can't regret not being a sociopath <laughs> uh but anyways moving on right. uh, me, i'm going to take it let's let's take a comfort break <laughs> yep all right cool Are are we back online? Oh god. I don't know how we're going to top Dan. I don't know how we're going to top Dan. I don't think Dan can be top, but uh I'm really concerned. <laughs> really concerned. <laughs> That's fucking blown my mind, dude. Like it's so good. That story. <laughs> See, like the part that the part that like uh, kind of Whoa. makes me feel good about this otherwise hard tale uh, is the fact that I was kind of self-aware at like a young age. Yeah. Uh, and i kind of figured this out and yeah. then i remembered it it was like one of my secrets like i was like shit yeah 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 i i i, th- I sometimes think i had quite a I sometimes think i had just quite a straightforward childhood like i talked to a lot of people who have these crazy stories and i'm like i don't know i don't know I I just don't have like well my, I have crazy stories but they're kind of like normal crazy stories. Okay, like what's what's your craziest story from childhood? 
No, I just, I mean, like, I have stories like, oh, you know, like me and the guys, we, did, you know, we went out to the lake or what, you know, like those kinds of just, uh, this happened, that this, happened. It sounds know. like the beginning of every gay porno ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm get, I'm gonna mess with you, but like you just you just got into trouble as kids, like a lot of freedom. yeah, yeah. Is that, I, mean, is that like, I mean, kind of like normal stuff, not like yeah, I invited just my friend over and just listened to his voice. <laughs> like, now you're making me feel bad about my childhood. <laughs> no, no, I do. I guess I probably do have some of those stories. They'll probably come come up. It's, it's, come I up. It, <laughs> I, I think sometimes it's weird because you just kind of. Like, you don't, it depends, I think for some people, um, I think some people, like those events that, that took place, like in your childhood or whatever, like for you at that time, I think by the sounds of it, it was quite a, the response, like there was, there was a big issue there. Like you were like, you were aware of it. Like it's an issue. Like you realize you're being a bit weird and manipulative and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think, um, I think for some people, like, like if, it, if you, if basically, if you, if you remain kind of aware like that, uh, or rather it, it or you know like it, if it kind of burns for you a little bit you know when you think about certain things and it just kind of you still think about them and it still feels a little bit weird and stuff i think if it's still like that then you totally remember those events but for me i think i think i just i kind of don't let things kind of affect me in that same way i think and therefore i don't remember the events as well so I'll kind of like, you know, try and learn from things that have happened to me, but I won't feel the the sting of it as much, you know, it won't be through sting. I think it's kind of like my, I think a little bit, I was just kind of brought up to not feel that way. Right. Um, That's actually good parenting. Like kudos to your parents. Because a, a lot of my uh, particular uh, view of myself is, it's kind of fraught with like guilt or mm. some kind of shame uh, and, and all these like weird things, right? Like, because I, I don't know if you remember your first cigarette, like I do. Uh, that my first real drag, like when I actually felt mm. like cigarette coming into my lungs, man, I still remember it. I was so lightheaded and I still remember the feeling and also the fact that like, oh, I've kind of fucked up, like. I've, I've done something that I wasn't supposed to, and I'm actually enjoying it because I tried to smoke for like a few months before I could actually inhale it properly. Uh, it sounds so dumb when I say, <laughs> when I say it in a microphone, right? No, I, to be honest, I think, I think a lot of like young kind of cigarette stories are just dumb. Like, because it's, it's, it's weird because it's, cigarette smoking, I think gen, generally speaking, I think most of us except it's kind of come round to a point where cigarette smoking is not really particularly cool, right? Right. Um, I think it's far from cool now. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. I think there's some context, and there's some people who can get away with it, and sure. it's still, still fucking cool, you know. Like, I think, yeah. There's definitely some rock stars and shit who can like slash slash. If slash wants to smoke a cigarette, I don't know if slash still smokes cigarettes. Slash. But if he wants to smoke a fucking cigarette, it's gonna look fucking cool. 
Slash could smoke crack out of a <laughs> half-eaten apple, and then he'd still look cool. I mean, the, the, yeah. so, some people yeah. can get so, away. Some with people it. can do it, but by and large, for the rest of us, I think smoking is not particularly cool, right? It's going to come around to that. Um, but um, there was a time when smoking was cool. I think we just have. To, I think like we, we can, have to acknowledge like, it. I this think you the, and I were gonna, we're just on the same page there. Some people obviously probably not thinking that, but there was a time when smoking was fucking cool, right? Um, but well, well, how, when, do you, how did you get into smoking? Like, Let's before, talk about before smoking. Before the Marlboro Man had actually died of cancer, you know, like you know those days when like smoking smoking was cool, um, and. You know, when, when, so when I was young, when I started smoking, smoking was cool, right? right? But the story of starting smoking, how you start smoking is never cool. Okay, well, there's well, no cool story. Like, <laughs> Let, let's get into it. Like, what, what was, what was your story? How did you, how did you get into smoking? I think, I think, I, I think, um, I think I, I most likely just, you know, had some cigarettes from someone else, you know, some, some classmate or something at school. Um, but then, um, so my first cigarette, actually, my mum gave me when I was a kid. She did the thing where, like, you know, give them something to put them put them off. You know, do you, you know? This, are you are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I'm thinking this like joke somewhere. Like, no, no, I, no yeah. I've heard of this theory. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. She wasn't. She wasn't like smoke. Here, smoke a whole pack. You know, you know, she wasn't like that. But she was just like have. She, I think she, my my mum's quite a smart person, and she's kind of. You know the idea of the idea of saying don't smoke, and never like never even touch a cigarette, never even like go anywhere near the experience of a cigarette. That kind of tactic of like saying don't smoke is probably not the best one. Like so, her tactic. Well, that's I'm saying that's probably what she was thinking. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure she did. I'm inclined to agree with her, but then the evidence suggests otherwise. So yeah, like so. So her thinking was... <laughs> it's actually, like, an explanation of why this theory failed, like you talking about it. Yeah, it's kind of... I don't know. Like, it makes... It, I, I think, ultimately, it just kind of probably doesn't matter on some levels. I, I, well, I'm, right? I'm with you. Like, my but, parents gave the exact talk that you said was not the talk that your mother gave you, which is like, oh, you're going to go out into the world, there are many bad people, mm. and you know what they all have in common except being bad? They mostly smoke and drink too. <laughs> like that's literally what my parents told me ever since I was a child. Like, and yeah, here I am. But continue. So yeah. So um, so your mom gave you a cigarette. Like, let's let's paint this. Like, how old yeah. how old were you? I was probably about probably about five. Four, probably like I think four or five. And your mom gave you a lighter because this seems like a fucking fire hazard. Like for a five year old, she probably lit the cigarette. She's just she like here. Lit the cigarette. Yeah, she she didn't smoke, but my um, but my uncles smoked, right? And I think we were so we were around smoking within the family and stuff. So I think she probably thought, I think vaguely sensibly, that kind of rather than like as grow up just as children, just knowing that there's these weird forbidden things that adults do, right? She was just like, it's just a thing that like just taste it, yeah, try it, you won't like it. It's just a thing. That's it. Right. And so she, then we tried it and we obviously, you know, five, four or five years old or whatever, you take one, you know, you don't even have, you just you slightly put it in your mouth or whatever. And it's like, 
oh my god this is fucking disgusting right and i never want to go near cigarettes yeah i i don't know how people smoke these like i hear yeah. i hear young kids say it and it's just like there was this uh i'm sorry to interrupt like when mm. when i was smoking outside university in hong kong there was this like new smoking sign and stuff a lot of the children who studied in a school close by had to walk through that and they were children of like professors and stuff and they would always make these like coughing noises like <laughs> as we were smoking outside when they went to school and i'm just like i was exactly like you like one one day i mean i hope you don't smoke but like if you do end up like picking it up what a dick you were like you know here's this grad student who's poor your father's like overworking him to death all he wants is like his morning coffee and a cigarette and you're get- throwing shade <laughs> at this poor wretched soul i hope you go to grad school and become a smoker that's, that's like my curse <laughs> to them uh but anyways go on yeah yeah i mean for me as well like i mean you know like again you know product of the era or whatever but yeah like smoking has that association as well doesn't it it has that kind of stress you know like just nipping outside five minutes have a smoke and stuff and it has that kind of um yeah it has that association of just you know being like a tool for getting shit done in a weird way and i actually weirdly still think and i think a lot of people do that those five for having five minute breaks or whatever is good for productivity definitely but like as a smoke you as a smoker you totally associate it with the actual cigarette as well and the act of you know smoking um but it's really kind of like that five minute break that is the really useful thing definitely and what's more useful about a five minute break i don't know why we're like fucking you know glorifying smoking but, I, <laughs> but these are the things that i genuinely feel about it like i, 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 I meant like I a- look i think I, th- I think it's like the thing this is a weird thing right i think it's okay to reminisce about these things as 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 something that oh this is some part you know like some part of our past that shaped us informed us not just as as individuals as they did for i'm sure both of us no no definitely and and these are things that i think are objectively some things that a lot of former smokers and current smokers like agree with right like you meet a lot Mm. of interesting cool people when you're smokers and like if you need to go outside to smoke a cigarette I met a lot of friends that I'm still friends to to this day, unlike Dan. Uh, <laughs> so I've I've met really cool people, and it's one of those things where we in our modern environment haven't created, where a bunch of strangers are in a yeah. confined space, not necessarily confined, like in a small area, and then they have like some time that they can talk to each other yeah. it's casual it's non-threatening imagine if you went to mcdonald's and suddenly the person next to you started like having a chat with you they'll, they'll yeah. come off as like more weird than like if you're both smoking outside mcdonald's and yeah. the same person like talks to you right like the environment is more casual you both have like a common passion i guess mm. for for nicotine yeah <laughs> and yeah, then yeah, usually yeah. like you borrow light or yeah. uh, you know you get some gum whatever you talk uh, and then if you see them again the next time, now you can form a friendship, right? Like now you can like pick up the conversation that you left off. Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, can, that kind of leads us, lead, could lead us on. This is terrible link actually now. It's fallen apart completely. But I was going to say that could lead on very nicely to just kind of like, um, I, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about like your experience coming to London, 
right? Sure. And in term, and so one of the things was just in terms of like meeting people, what your experience has been like. So, so uh, you, go on. But, like, oh, but just, just let me know as well. Like when you came here, like you'd come for a job, right? Yes. So you you and you'd applied and sorted that all out whilst you were in Hong Kong. Correct. So uh, I I moved to London by applying for a job uh for a bunch of different companies, uh bunch of different places actually, mm. not just London. Uh and I had the interview, I got the offer from this company and London seemed like a distant away place from Asia that I was mm. just like okay. And so so in terms of like who did you know people here? No, like I have two friends, one of them that I went to university with. But uh, him and his wife are on so far like a one year contract with their company, so they're in London for a very short period of time. Mm. And my really good friend from China, uh, she used to live in Guangzhou as a veterinarian. She moved back to London, uh, and then we were good friends in Hong Kong. Like, and she was the only permanent friend that I had in London, right. and she's still my friend. Like, she's the only close friend that i have here uh by the time i got to london yeah right? yeah uh so yeah and you say so how did you sort out your flat how did you sort out a place to live did you do all, all that in hong kong uh, no no it's just a long oh, story like I, okay. I'll, I'll try to make a chart uh, yeah. because it's not very interesting uh it's essentially i was put in a service apartment uh right next to liverpool street which oh, is like by the, work yeah, yeah that, that's where i work yeah. and it was like a this is a really nice place, but the the whole neighborhood has like no soul. Like it's dead. Like it's it's full of people working in suits there, yeah. like all the time. Uh, and then I started looking for apartments after a month. But in order to look for apartments, I had to have a bank account. I need to have like a whole bunch of papers. Yeah, and then I asked my friend like, what neighborhoods does she recommend? My only friend mm. from London. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So my original plan was to live in Shoreditch, uh, but she was just like, yeah, that's where people go to party and, like, it's going to be, like, loud and late at night, especially if you're even close to the hipster places. Uh, not sure if that's true. I just took her word for it, yeah. and I was just like, okay, I won't look for any apartments there. I tried to look for apartments near London Bridge because it's commutable distance. Because the first day I t- tried to take the tube when I was here for interviews, I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Like it's, (laughs) it's just too many people and their delays and gives me PTSD. Uh, so yeah, I found a place in, uh, near London bridge. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, so, so what's your experience of just meeting people? Like, how do you, when you, when you come, like you essentially got to one friend, (laughs) you found your place, you, you, you know, what like how do you go about meeting people how do you go about socializing and how, what 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 yeah just what's your experience who says anything about me socializing yeah <laughs> i'm just i'm just i'm just joking uh, uh it, it's really hard actually i think i might have completely underestimated uh how hard it would be for me to meet people because my experience living in hong kong has been to to say the least, like tainted by the amount of time that I spent there, I totally forgot how it felt like when I moved there. I'm sure like I felt very similarly, like not knowing people and going mm-hmm. to a new city, whatever. But by the end, when I was leaving Hong Kong, I had like a lot of friends. I could just you know call someone to ask them to hang out. And Hong Kong's very small, and mm. 
not that many things to do. So if there was something interesting, most people would say yes because they weren't. They would either have similar plans or they had no plans at all. So I was just like, I'm a social person. Like people like me, I could go to an English speaking country and make new friends. And mm. I came to London, and I was rudely surprised by how cold the city is. I, I think London's not just a cold place temperature wise. Like, but people like they don't want to talk. <laughs> they yeah. they are okay. extremely reluctant to initiate conversation. They're very awkward with like returning conversation. Uh, all they're good at in terms of like speaking to strangers is saying thank you and sorry or making some kind of a weird joke uh in an accent that i don't understand which i've later <laughs> learned were not people from london but people moved here from the north where apparently people are more social like so some like weird scottish joke which mostly i don't understand and i've kind of stopped asking what that was and i just kind of smile and like not politely so I, I think I've kind of gotten used to being a Londoner to some extent in how I treat strangers. Uh, and it's just it's just very hard. Like, I, I still don't like it that much. Well, do you... How different is it, though, to other big cities? I can't so speak for... Large, uh, yeah, I, mean, I can't so speak for every Hong big Kong, city, but, yeah. like, compared to Hong Kong, Hong Kong is very easy, okay? So if you're an English-speaking expat... And you go to a bar and, mm. you know, you can you can find some other expat and, like, you can talk to them for, like, a few minutes. Yeah, because you gravitate towards each other. It's like, it's, I guess it's kind of, like, similarly, like, to when, you, when, when an English person, an English-speaking person, you know, when you, when you travel, when you go traveling and you're in, you know, you're in, you know, I don't know you're in you know you're in a bar in mumbai or something or in japan like japan's a great example a terrible example actually yeah mumbai (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. with an accent but yeah (laughs) yeah in in tokyo or something and like you know like you can kind of go oh english speaker and you kind of like bond over just the speak language common common language absolutely i was in osaka for like you know a week or something like that like and or even less than a week we randomly go out like to some bars and then we meet like an American guy who's running a nightclub in Osaka and we're friends with him. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, and then yeah, we go to his yeah, nightclub. Yeah, exactly. so it's yeah, it's yeah, very easy. Yeah. Like it's not the kind of friendship that would last you for a long yeah, time, yeah. but it could certainly be the beginning of something like that. Yeah. Uh, especially if you live in the same city. Yeah. Right. And like, being an, and being an expert just has some, that, you know, has that kind of thing about it where you just have that camaraderie and you just kind of stick together and, yeah, and yeah, then you yeah. have the same kind of complaints like about about stuff, that, <laughs> like in the sense that like oh people people walk really slowly, which apparently is a thing in every big city. Uh, nowhere have I been that is a big city like New York or like London or Hong Kong, where the local population are happy with the pace that like people are walking in front of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So like stuff like that, like which after some time, once you become like a seasoned expat, like seems kind of rude uh because you have like some stereotypes and oh you uh, mean the the sort of you're, you're talking about where there's just a little well essentially you're not integrating you're yeah. definitely not even making an effort to integrate right like yeah. the whole yeah. fact that you're complaining about like locals in their city in english uh when you're just like either staying here temporarily or you're a resident yeah. for some time it, it's just not a nice thing but it also gives you some common misery to bond over it's just like 
I went on a date uh, yeah. with a girl who's also new to London very recently. And then we were kind of like talking about very similar stuff that I'm telling you about how I feel in London. She felt the exact same way. She's just like, no one talks to you. Uh, and when you try and say hello, like people just look at you weird. Uh, and I've heard this comment from a few travelers in this area, mostly from the U.S. Because in yeah. the U.S., like people will talk to you, especially if you're on the West Coast. Like everyone's talking to you a lot more uh, than you would want or like. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but I mean, it, like New York is similar. You don't just randomly talk to strangers in New York, and it's kind of that's it has the same it. I think it like engenders the same sort of response as it does in in London, really. Like it's just like, whoa, hey, dude. Like, and I think it, there's a, there's good rationale for that as well because and you were saying as well, you are becoming like a Londoner, right? Right. In in your response to if somebody starts to initiate a conversation with you or something, right? Right. And I think there's good reason for that in London, in a big city. Right. If, if there's somebody, if like, and so I think. Like this is maybe this is me. Maybe it's some weirdness too. I think I think you're unsolicited, like unsolicited, like someone just coming up to you unsolicited. I immediately just kind of go, okay, this could be somebody who's kind of trying to rip me off. It's like somebody, you're getting scammed. Trying, yeah, getting scammed, getting pickpocketed, getting something bad, whatever you know. And the thing is, like in a big city, sometimes it is. It is somebody trying to like pickpocket you. Or, oh, can like, I tell you how I got conned in London when I came oh, here yeah, for an interview? Yeah. Okay, so my only friend that I have in London, uh, I wanted to catch up with her when I was here for an interview, and I was severely jet lagged, and I just had two days in London, just doing the interview, going back to work in Hong Kong. Uh, so she said, like, meet me at Harrods. Okay, this is how little I know or I knew about London. I still don't know that much about London. Uh, When when I came here, my first response was like, oh, is this like a supermarket? Uh, (laughs) Because I don't know where Harrods was. And fair enough. She like texts me uh, the link and then I know where it is because it's so big and famous. Did Did you know? Yeah. Did you know? Did you heard of it? I haven't heard of it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because, I like... I think it's kind of... I, I mean, I don't think it's that crazy not to have heard of it anymore. But once upon a time, it was kind of like... I, I, yeah, I just... I'm, I get the vibe. It's. I mean, I guess maybe because we live in... Like, I live in London. I so think maybe, you... maybe I don't know anymore what it, what kind of cachet it has outside. But, I, like, it, I feel get the vibe that people are not that interested in Harrods. Anymore. I mean, like, it, once I've seen Harrods, mm. I was just like, oh shit like this is this is way more impressive than what i thought it was yeah, yeah but but yeah. like i come from the land of malls like or i came yeah, from the yeah, land of malls yeah, yeah, in hong yeah, kong yeah. every tube station is like a yeah, mall yeah. attached to it yeah so if someone says like oh this is harris it's like a really famous mall i'm just like okay yeah. no asia crush malls asia just crushes it asia like bangkok like hong kong cities are like, built around yeah, malls yeah, like yeah for, for a long time i felt we were going to the park it's just like why would anybody go to the park? Because I was so used to going to malls, like on weekends, right? Like get food, watch a movie. Anyways, I was around Harrods and I had some issues with my pocket Wi-Fi. And I did whatever I was taught to do by my parents as a kid in an era of no internet is to ask some local person for directions. And who do I find? Like a guy smoking right next to like Marble Arch train station right like wherever harrods is whatever tube is closest and then i'm just like i'm really trying to go to harrods could you help me out 
I was the stranger in this equation, like talking right, to another right, guy. Right. And this guy was like, the first thing he says, big red flag. He's like, hello, brother. And I was like, if anybody calls me brother, <laughs> I don't have any brothers. But even if I had a brother, if he comes and says like, hello, brother, I'm just like, I'm going to get scammed. Right. Like this, no good conversation ever started with, you know, hello, brother, after the medieval times. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Do you, do you, but sometimes, wait, yeah, it, that is a weird one, isn't it? It, brother? it gets, because it, it gets yeah, better. Go on, go on. So, so like, he's just like, hello, brother. It's like, I'm like, hey, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go to Harrods, but you know problem with my data could you just show me the way and then he says the first question is like are you from pakistan uh and then i'm like no i'm from india which was i should have just kept walking at this point like the fact that i'm engaging with him is already like me falling for the scam it's like those people who respond to like spam emails from like prince of nigeria (laughs) saying it's like are you really a prince then they know that you're the kind of person who would respond to scammers so they know more details about you right like so and then he's like oh yeah yeah no i will i will i will take you to harrods it's right here and i was just like you could just show me the way like if it's very close uh and then he starts walking to me it's like i will really take you to harrods but you need to help me out and i'm just like okay this is a scam. I should abort right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah then, that is definitely. And, and then I was just like, what? And it's just like, oh, I, he, he goes into some detail about like how he needs an octopus card or something. And he's just like, I need money. Or <laughs> oh, something. Oh, card. Yeah, <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> in Hong Kong, it's called an octopus oh, card. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. okay. The uh, public transport card. Yeah, the public transport card. So, and then I just scramble for some change in my pockets and give him like 50 pence and just leave. Mm. Uh, and I walk around the corner and my Wi-Fi starts working and I never have to interact with scammers again. Uh, so, it felt so strange because... A, it felt bad, like, because it was, like, a South Asian person who tried to scam me. Uh, and it just felt, like, weird, crazy. They scammed you out of 50p? Well, I left him. Like, I wasn't engaging or negotiating with him. I was just yeah. not, like... Where do you think... I mean, do you think those? And he gave me a dirty look. Once I gave him, like, 50p, he's just like, dude, like, this what isn't the worth the chat. He, what the fuck was he expecting? An oyster card, apparently. What? What? This is wild. Because I'm like, he got 50p. What do you fucking want? I mean, okay, like a lot more than 50p. (laughs) Yeah, seems weird. Like that's a weird. Like where the yeah. My point though is, do do you think these go somewhere? Like, do you think some people feel so pressured by that? That by that social situation, they're like, "Here, have a tenner." I I certainly have given uh, up to three, four pounds in Hong Kong currency in some really embarrassing situations like this, where the person just won't let go. Oh, I really? do that. Yeah. I do that in India too. Like sometimes I go like and I take an Uber or like you know my sister drives me around. Some kids like kind of come at traffic stops or something. I just feel like really guilty. Mm. I I know that's not solving the problem. Uh, there are a lot of people who argue that like, oh, by the fact that people give them money, they're yeah, yeah, yeah they're not yeah, going to school yeah. or like they're not getting help, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm certainly very easily succumb. I'm the kind of person who will easily succumb to social pressure yeah. from a situation. So I'll yeah. give money if means that i can get out of that situation right like i'll pay to leave yeah yeah okay that's interesting because i'm like i'm I, I, like my, i'm originally from bangladesh right you you go to you go to dhaka people know how to beg in dhaka right, right? they know that you need to have 
serious, like, you know, some serious physical deformity or something. And then you just kind of, you know, that's begging. Right. You know, there's a level of begging. Like, I, 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 you know, I feel like as a Bangladeshi person, we mix it with the fucking begging pros, really. <laughs> you know, like, there's a, they're on a different level. No, I, I, I jest, actually. But, no, my point is, actually, <laughs> I do have a point. And that's kind of like, you know, I, you know you, I've been pretty heavily exposed to extreme poverty. And I think... You know, my 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 take on it there, um. You know, so, I, so my my brother-in-law, for example, so my brother-in-law's like he he's very much, uh, you know, when when you when you see kind of a beggar, in 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 Dhaka, in in Bangladesh, right. he's very much or multiple. He's very much like give them something. Like we all, you know, like he'll pull out like lots of money and spread it around, right. And I think that's okay. I don't have an issue with that. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, especially as a, you know, as a Westerner who can probably like make quite a bit of difference with a small amount of money just to people's. Definitely, you know, yeah. You know, I think the conversion yeah. gives you like a lot more spending yeah. power in countries like India and yeah. Bangladesh. But I also think that there is a reason. It's reasonable also to kind of, which is. A little, pretty much what i do with some exceptions is just to as a blanket just say no like i don't want to you know give any money to any bags even in kind of places like bangladesh not because i'm a heartless person but just because Such i think no i just i feel like it's, it's a reasonable thing to say i would like to make sure that my charitable deeds are like properly organized and not like you know i don't i don't just give myself a pat on the back for giving like a beggar a pound i'm kind of like no at the end of the year like make sure you know whenever it is you just make sure you know you whatever you you know you have your direct debit set up if you're just donating money or whatever or or you know maybe you're doing actual activities organized but in an organized kind of way and the reason I do it that way is just because, like, I'm a bit worried about if I do these little things, you know, if I buy a, a raffle ticket at work, I'll I'll make myself feel better. And even though it's just, like, you know, it's kind of nothing. There's, there's, I really feel there's a huge benefit in doing a lot of those types of things. So I kind of don't want to unduly give myself some kind of weird reward for not doing no, no, it. I mean, like, it's it's not really a reward in my case. Like, and I completely agree with, like, everything that you said. Like, I think uh, you have to make a distinction between uh, charity or, you know, help that mm-hmm. is uh, that is effective yeah, and but, help that is not effective. Yeah, but I did go off on a crazy one there. <laughs> but, like, my point is, though, that, um, yeah, so, like, in... in, 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 in the, I've kind of made that decision, though... To, to be quite organised about my chari- the way I interact with charity, in 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 having been exposed to basically the most serious poverty in front of my face, and in some respects, the seriousness of that poverty that's in my face through that experience in Bangladesh has actually pushed me more to be more organised and more to say no, right, like to these little things. And more to be like, no, no, it's my job to really do this properly. And so when I come to, you you know, like, or, you know, when I'm in in London and in, in and about London, 
there are, of course, like very obvious like people in London who in bad in some in a bad situation, and you'll see those people, right? Or, you know, as you as you're out uh, around the place. Um, it's not as much as some countries. It's more than other countries. Like what it you know, it is what it is, right? Sure. But um, you definitely see people who are just shady, shady people, just like dodgy people who are just you know randomly like just coming up to you, just going oh like I need you know a pound to get home or whatever, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like. Who are you? Like, what's your deal? Like, I have no idea, but I, you just seem like a f- dodgy person that's, like, trying to harass me into giving them some money. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I, I just kind of... So at, that, at that point, I'm like, dude, if I don't give money to, like, a five-year-old kid with no arm, like, begging at the side of the car in Dakar, I'm sure as fuck not going to give you a pound. Yeah, for pointing me in the vague direction of Harrods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think I think uh, most of these points are correct, like, but your theory is that, like, in a big city, if a stranger approaches to talk to you, uh, they think, you know, whatever my experience was would be all right like their experience essentially so like if i meet like this person on the street yeah, or in the park yeah, yeah, and i start yeah. approaching them and say like hey how's it going they would just be like oh this guy's like trying to rip me off yeah but it's also interesting because in the it's, u.s it's, like it's prudence you know i mean it's, it's fair it's a fair point like i'm not going to argue that like but there are certain areas in a city mm. that you create where people can kind of say hi to new people yeah uh which for the most part in the u.s and in hong kong are bars mm. but bars in london have a sole purpose a mission to get people shit-faced before <laughs> 8 30 p.m right like that, that's the only reason maybe i've been going to the wrong bars no, i think the the, the in, in, not everywhere of course not everywhere but i think there's i think it's pretty widely accepted throughout the world that whilst i don't while i don't necessarily you know jump on the bandwagon and go like england has this huge like binge drinking culture or heavy drinking culture i don't really jump on that bandwagon but it doesn't have the culture of slow drinking like that's what it doesn't have. Like if uh, you know, I'm not saying that it has like this culture of heavy drinking or fast drinking or binge drinking, but it doesn't have a culture of slow drinking, which other countries do have. Like there are plenty of other countries where the I, you know, the really the normal way of drinking is very clearly defined almost as just sipping on something very slowly throughout the afternoon or you know through you know through a longer period of time potentially, but just very very slowly. Yeah, like I I used to have like a lot of friends from Greece, like in the Mediterranean, like mm. they have this like this is the first time because India unfortunately has culture of new drinking traditionally, mm. but if you're a college student and you've already taken the plunge uh to kind of forsake the social morals mm. that your society mm. has defined, uh you end up in this binge drinking culture as well. Yeah, in are you talking about in India? In India, in, in university India. especially. Yeah, I've seen I've I've I've, I've I've definitely in, in in Bangladesh as well. I've seen like, do you think it's do you think that's? I mean, I guess it goes. You know, in some respects, we think about it general more generally in the UK about similarly like when people go to university, 
you know, doing the drinking thing at university here as well. But it, when I've seen it in Bangladesh, I've noticed that, yeah, like, they're having, in an environment where there's just no drinking at all, by and large, like, in the in, you know, generally out and about, when people do get hold of alcohol and they are engaged with alcohol, like, they're okay, you know, they're drinking it, they go. They tend to go a bit nuts, you know. Absolutely, and the 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 thing was like for a long time till I actually moved to Hong Kong and started becoming an adult. Uh, till I was twenty years old, like every time there was alcohol involved, a whole bottle had to be empty. Like <laughs> I wasn't drinking by myself. Mm. Uh, usually there were like two or three more people involved, but not that many. Okay, mm. when was the last time three or four people that you knew like drank a whole bottle of whiskey in mm. in like few hours? Right, like. In India, that was the case because you had to go buy, like, a whole bottle. Yeah, yeah, and now yeah. that you've bought it and now you're breaking, like, the college rules, you might as well, like, finish the whole thing, right? Like, get completely smashed. Oh, so, so college, yeah, God, man, college rules as well, saying no alcohol oh, and everything. I think, I think that's an entirely different episode altogether. Okay. My college had so many weirdnesses around it. Mm. Um, it's also good, like, but very strange. Anyways, so, yeah, London bars, you can't meet anyone. Because yeah. everyone's got their own group, they're extremely loud. They're extremely loud, and they? and for for the most part, are they, I, are they this are they how because yeah, in other parts of the world, they're not this loud, are they? I have never been in a pub louder than those they're near so Liverpool Street. Loud. They're so fucking loud. Yeah, they're so loud you can't hear it. And even if they're not that loud, but all I'm, people talking, the music they play—it's so loud at <laughs> six thirty on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing it? Why is there electronic dance music yeah, yeah. playing here? Yeah, yeah. It's it, we went. We went to we, you and I went to you know and, and Julia. We went to a cocktail bar, we, didn't we? The other day. Yeah, yeah. Like, the other week, and it was just blaring loud. It was like super early. It was like daylight. Super. Middle, we just kind of walked into this place thinking we have a pleasant conversation nice before pleasant dinner con- yeah exactly <laughs> like, um, it's just like boom 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 boom. i was ready to go to raven that. after after like 30 yeah. minutes in that I, place like impartially i feel like a part of me feels like a little bit old like oh i'm being this, like old funny really and then part of me just goes no this is fucking just crazy like there is no nobody in this bar could possibly be thinking yeah, they've got they've nailed the music here. Like, why would you possibly think that? There's no reason you would want to drown out all conversation. Exactly. Like, uh, so know, this is led- day anyway. You know? This has led me to believe my theory about people in London, the expected, the average London, uh, okay. you know, person, because. If your people are boring, your bars are loud, full of terrible oh. service, and with the with the sole purpose of getting you oh drunk. God. Are you saying that native people are boring? I this is my <laughs> this is my theory. I think I think if you're oh if you're God. from London, I mean, is this like, where we're taking the podcast. <laughs> I think I think this is going to be like a very anti UK podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kind of joking, but not really. Like because if your friends. Like I go to these pubs I, with like colleagues, yeah. right? Like, I, and, I, okay, go on, go and and we are friends. Really, oh, I'm so really, yeah, go on. Uh, I'll I'll finish this quickly. <laughs> sorry, like so, but never have I had like an environment where a bunch of people are talking and chatting, mm-hmm. and you know people are joking around and a lot of people talking to a lot of different people. Right? It's usually like really over the normal speaking range, yelling because the pub is so loud. Yeah. Or your place is not relaxed because the pub is so packed. You're 
you're all holding your beers, managing your small table, or like, if you're lucky, a seated table. Uh, and then you're all yelling really loudly and nobody's having a real conversation. And yeah. everyone's gone by 8.30. Like, no one's staying there till like 10, except the drunks and the <laughs> dregs of society. People who are singing karaoke at an empty sports bar. Uh, that's been my experience. I've only worked yeah. and been and to most pubs in the city. So yeah. and this that's could kind be of colleagues and stuff like that. This is like on a weekday yeah. night out, right? Like yeah. with, uh, co- with, with colleagues. With colleagues yeah. or with friends who work in the same area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went to and I have a drink. Exact same experience with like my uh, buddy from like uh, my drawing class. Well, where, oh, go on. So, so yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's it. Like same experience, like no matter yeah. who the crowd is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say they. Um, oh yeah, what I was gonna say was that. Um, yeah, because I didn't want you because know, we've we've put it out there that you've you've kind of alluded to, uh, you know, native English people. Are we saying native English people. Native English. This game is so, it, I was getting, I was thinking about this because you should probably talk, cut talk, this out. No, talking. The thing is, like, we want to talk about like culture. Sure. And then, and that's blended in, and race comes in there, and religion comes in there. Loads of things come in, into play, right? And, like, we want to be, like, okay with saying, be just being able to, you know, we don't want to limit what the discussion is about, right? And I was thinking, like, do you remember when, this is going off topic a bit, but do you remember, like, I feel like there was a time not too long ago when people like had started talking about like oh when you say something people go oh like it's quite a racial thing you're talking about right they wouldn't say racist it, like it wasn't necessarily racist people would be like racial right maybe saying you what you're talking about is racial right and I haven't heard anybody say that in a really long time or and I haven't heard any conversation like that in a really long time right like that you could say oh that's quite a racial conversation but it's not racist like now it's I it's, feel like almost that those conversations that were were, were racial that explored you know, racial potentially racial behaviors or, or whatever cultural yeah, differences, cult- whatever, which are predominantly yeah, yeah, yeah. like at least visibly racial. Yeah. Whatever, it, whatever it happens to be, like. But n- my point is, n- nothing racist about what you're saying. I don't think so. You I know, mean, it just I, I, you know, you're observing things that are just going on around you. Nothing racist about what you're saying. But I feel like we've kind of moved into a place where. People are having difficulty distinguishing. distinguishing the two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, we can we can cut that part out. Like, um, no, no, I, I, I kind of don't want to get it out because I'm saying like I do want to talk about these things. So I think it's important. Yeah, you know, I think you know you can't have this type of podcast unless you can just be okay with talking about. Yeah, yeah no, I'm. I... But what I do want to do is say like, when we do say stuff like, yeah, I think it's okay to address, you know, native English people, for example, like. You know, and I think we're not, you know, nobody is saying like every native English person, nobody's, we're just talking about general cultural traits, right? And we're identifying that group by just sort of very roughly and loosely saying native English people. But notwithstanding all that, I think as well, when you, when we, you know, if you say they're boring, I do think that's wrong 
Of course. Like, I, I, think, like, I wasn't <laughs> being serious when I said like they're no, all having said that, I do think that there are there there are definitely things that native English people talk about more. Like the 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 where the conversation is like culturally when you're just talking generally speaking and in and, and also even if you want to be more specific there's definitely a london conversations that sure. london people have in fact regardless of like where they're what, what are those maybe i should like try opening with those and they're things. terrible they're te- most of those are terrible like london people love talking about property and property prices and things right. like that it's just fucking like it, because it's such a concern for people you know, because probably it's pretty expensive here, right? It's definitely so, expensive, Because it's yeah. such a concern for people. It's on their minds all the time, you know, and it tend- that's what people do, you know. They go, they meet their friends, and they talk about what's on their minds and stuff, and a lot of the time what's on their minds is property. But it can just make conversation in London just end, you know, just kind of like go round and round the cycle of just moaning about how like expensive property is. Right. And and the, the I think you've kind of left like an implicit detail out, which is essentially they're friends, right? Mm. They're, they're all like, by the time like you're in a pub already, everyone has their own group of friends yeah, that they've yeah, come yeah. here with, like, or that they're meeting no one goes for a casual drink, or at least I haven't seen that many people, except really old people in very quiet bars on a Sunday afternoon, like just having a pint and like friends with the bartender, right? Like I've, I live in a place which has some bars like that, and I find it actually quite charming. That's usually my kind of bar, like where you have a personal relationship with the bartender. Mm-hmm. You're kind of going there because it's also like where you want to hang out, Uh and it's not really fully packed and very loud, mm. right? Like, I can casually meet some people in the neighborhood at that bar. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard for me to do that any other day except, like, Sunday or in the afternoon sometimes. Uh, because in the evenings, it's all really packed. And for some miraculous reason, despite there being so many bars, every pub in London is packed. Like... Thursday mm, nights mm. and Friday nights, like, you won't even get, like, a table, like, in most pubs, especially in the city. Like, yeah, yeah, again, yeah, uh, sort of centrally, I'm very yeah. much, like, localized to the city of London <laughs> yeah. and London Bridge area. So, <laughs> in that place, it's it's almost hopeless, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think ha- it's, ha- it's very similar with a lot of big cities where they're just, like, London is... Yeah, you know, it's just busy in certain certain parts of London. It's just super busy. People go there. It's central, central. Like people go there after work. People, yep. you know, they're very convenient. If people want, you know, people living in the west, people living in the east, and meeting up in the centre, that type of stuff. And there's stuff going on in central London, obviously. Right. Uh, but I think if you go outside, you know, if you go outside to further out boroughs and stuff, like it's not really. It's really not that busy. It's not that busy. But it, you're not necessarily going to have more success in meeting people sure. random, randomly. I don't think. Um, so let me let me ask you a question. Like, when did you move to London, and how did you meet people here? Maybe maybe there's something to learn here. Like, instead of me complaining about, uh, you know, the way things are, maybe I should ask you. Like, how how did you fall into your groove in London? How, did you always live in London? Did you grow up here? No. No, 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 I moved here. I moved here. No, I think, I think I did a very, I did pretty mechanic. Like when I moved here, I just did a fairly kind of mechanical 
exercising you know okay I, I need to meet people I need to increase my social circle I knew like so I'm you know you know I knew by that point in my life as well that I didn't want to just hang out with people that I worked with right now it's really important because I had as a younger person as in my you know 20s I'd really hung out a lot with work people like pretty much that, that was all people all I hung out with and I was in a in a in, in a career where that was encouraged and it was very right. possible that you could just do all your activities with work people. Right. And you, you know, yeah, just in and out, inside and outside work. And it'd just be work 24 seven then basically. And that's right. kind of encouraged. Um, and I knew that when I'm, I just didn't want to do that anymore. Right. Um, so how do you meet people that you don't work with? I just kind of, I guess mostly I just use like the, the some of these new tools really like Meetup, you know, these types of things. Went to these, you know, just tried to find like... Some and, activities. That... Yeah, some activities. And, stuff. and I always just had the, you know, from, always just had the view of like, if you're not going to meet like loads of cool people... Like, you're going to have to meet, like, go, you know, go out, bing. <laughs> you're going to have to go, you're going to have to go and, um, you know, meet tons of people and, you know, you, you might meet one person that's all right, you know, that's it. Right. You know, and. So, so quality over quantity. Yeah. And, and the people, you know, the people that you do meet who are cool like actually the like you know like or the people that you get on with or you think are cool you, you click with the likelihood is that you all click with their friends as well so you know it was just it's a gift that keeps on giving yeah it was w- interesting actually i think it was kind of you know it's it, i actually learned a lot of this from from work just doing professional networking weirdly right and in the context of professional networking um you know you have you kind of end up being quite organized about the way you network and right go yeah, like, yeah of course. okay you know because I, I don't want to like you know i i you know obviously as well you don't want to get to you don't want to spend loads of your time on professional networking because I I, I use get... LinkedIn as my Facebook yeah right so there's loads of and there's loads of um yeah, so so yeah, and even in even in respect so like in respect to LinkedIn and some of these tools as well. Like I've always just really kind of thought of those tools as tools to achieve real life kind of stuff. Of course. So like the networking part of this whole thing for me was like a f- real thing, like real people, real network. And that was like just help, you know, I, but I'm tra- well, you know, like, I think that's kind of like a kind of. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because weird? because it no. sounded like uh, the slogan for like a, a, a pretty terrible, you know, handyman <laughs> yeah. service provider. <laughs> no, I think this, this, so, so. But I think and it sounds like a super obvious thing to say, right? But I think sometimes it's like people really forget that the social networking tools. A social networking tools sounds right. weird, right? right? 
Like, but I think, in fact, I think the majority of people don't use social networking tools as social networking tools anymore. They use them as entertainment or whatever. Yeah, but, like, it's also kind of hard, though. Like, in the sense that, like, I, I see and I completely agree with the point that you're making. Is like, all these tools should be structured around, like, meeting new friends and, like, well, new interesting people that you click with or new professional partners. Whatever your goal is to network socially in real life whatever your app is like it's just a conduit to it well it's not it's not just about the app or the service it's about you how you approach that thing like how you like you what you want to get out of it blah blah and i think i think for me it was just saying like you know i want to achieve real life objective of meeting some cool new people so I'm going to use these tools to try and achieve that. And where they don't work, I don't engage with them. Pretty, that's pretty strip. Like that. Fair, fair really enough. I, I, science, but but, but like, it's also it's also for me like the biggest uh, obstacle is essentially professional networking for me is really easy because there is like a good objective at the end of it. It's like oh, is this person or is this event relevant to me professionally or not? Right. And if I add but isn't for- that the same thing with personal? I mean, like, is this person? I mean, you can. I mean, it's again back to the psychopath like thing earlier. It's a bit psychopath like, but you can just go like, okay, like I want to hang out with people who are positive people, who you know encourage like cool activities. Um, you know, I don't want to hang out with people who are just super negative, who want to encourage, you know, like hostile stuff violence whatever right you know? and so you have you, you, know, you can easily you can like prioritize certain things and like be you know where the psychopath element of it i guess comes in is that where you're being quite ruthless about not being with people that don't meet that criteria right but and I, sh- I think but importantly i think i f- i think that's one of the most important things personally for me in my life one of the most important things in my life that I've learned is to not really, just don't really, don't, don't, don't necessarily, don't necessarily ditch people who are, who are, don't meet those criteria, but just don't, don't respond don't, to their messages. <laughs> don't necessarily pursue like, you know, cause I think, so what, like for example, what, what I'm really talking about is where, you just have a friend who's like a super negative person, perhaps like just just a horrible person, just nasty to everybody, you know, like you know, then inconsiderate, just a horror, you know, like just negativity, basically. If, if you do, any form of negativity, if you can't think of any friends who are like this, then you're probably that friend. It could be, it could be. Oh, God, just, God uh, I could be that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just joking. But go on. But I think, I think. So, so my 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 take on it is like. I think it's it's huge. Like we like, and it one one thing that I find really interesting about social networks is what it tells us about ourselves. Like our behavior on Instagram, Facebook, and things like that it tells us a lot about ourselves. And one thing I think that's very telling about that is the behavior of I just want people to like me. Right. Like the whole real shtick of a lot of you know. Uh, you know several of these you know very popular social media platforms is the concept of likes or thumbs ups or whatever it's you know and we that's the currency that they trade in right and you know 
it works because human beings just have that innately in them. We sure. want people to like us. So when you're presented with kind of people in a social group or your friends or whatever, almost always like you just want people to like you. That's like the main priority is like I want people to like me. And when they don't like you, you have to fix that. You have, feel like you have to fix it. That's correct. That's exactly and, how I think. Uh, I'm yeah. being genuine. Like I just want to fit in, like fit in at any cost, right? Like and I think that has made me successful in in some ways because I could easily leave the country that I was born and raised in spend some time in another country, move to another country. I think it helps me adapt and like uh, also just fit into a new situation. Mm. But it comes at the cost of, uh, to some extent, like not having uh, a, a very fixed identity. I, I like to, in some mm. cases, it kind yeah. of brings it back to like the whole thing about like me feeling sufficiently awkward in social situations to kind of leave. It's all because I'm trying yeah. to fit into the situation rather yeah. than like kind of be myself. Yeah. I sometimes wonder actually in, in respect of this fitting in because I, I it's it's weird because I kind of, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm in my late 30s. And I think that like this, the thing that you're talking about, that fitting and being able to fit in, I do kind of think, yeah, I have a little bit of skill in that. I have a reasonable skill in that. And now, in, in my, this point in my life, I just basically it's a tool that I choose when I want to use it, when I don't want to use it. I think that's kind of probably a bit of a difference, potentially that even I like that I had might have had previously in my life, like where it was just no, 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 there's no choice. Like I just have to fit in. But now it's like I'm okay. Do I want to fit in? Right. Do I do I not want to fit? I choose. I decide. But um, yeah, that's kind of. I think um, I've forgotten. I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> I, th I think what you were saying is essentially uh, that it's you were making a point about like how uh, you are, are using it as a tool to like fit in or not fit in, and everyone has this like need uh, to use social media to fit in. Uh, and I think the original point was like uh, you telling me what social media reveals about who we are yeah yeah i think i think it's i think it's just that i think it's really like yeah just that human human nature that human need to 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 want to be liked but i think ultimately for me like now it's yeah like i say it's a tool like well rather you know it's a choice for me whether i choose to fit in or not but that choice is you know largely based on yeah what what that, what who is that other person right and i think if for me i've seen it loads and loads of times is that where where i just kind of desperately want to fit in and desperately want people to like me it's just just it actually hurts me of course like no one, no one wants a desperate person to be their friend like no no but not just that no no i don't mean that I mean also just the fact well that's interesting that you take that view actually from that perspective see I'm, I'm, taking... I'm, I'm in autopilot mode you're, you're like saying like oh do I why do I even want to yeah, fit I'm, in? yeah I'm, 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 I'm taking the other perspective and saying like this person who is bringing nothing to the table for me why do I want that person in my life or even further than that 
I think if you are around, if you surround yourself with negative people, you end up becoming a negative person. No, definitely. But I have this like very strange, perverse justification for why I would want to fit in or I'd want to meet even people who are, I know are objectively bad for me. Mm. Uh, this this includes like some dating patterns and like some friendships that I've been in. To some extent, like I find human beings very fascinating. And I feel uh, that even if the person's negative or has like a mm. bunch of issues, I'm very interested in like kind of knowing that person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it's also quite terrible because once I know them, once there is no fascination or mystery about that person, I get very bored and annoyed. Uh, so as you said, like, yeah, fitting in for the sake of fitting in could be an exciting journey into any kind of relationship or friendship. But if you don't, the ones that have lasted me like a long time in terms of the, the relationship with that person have mm. been things that I actually was having fun rather than like being really fascinated by that yeah, person. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like for sure. For sure. That's kind, that's kind of healthy. That's just healthy. Almost the definition of a healthy relationship is, you know, not you're not just trying to leech something from someone. Yeah, exactly. Like trying yeah. it back to Dan again. Yeah. Like, yeah. God damn it, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we we ended up talking more about ourselves Wait. than we did about yeah. London. Wait. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, hang on a second. There is this really important thing that I want to ask. Is in relation to this fitting in thing, this kind of like this idea of, you know meeting people and just wanting to adapt to the to become like like a, almost like a chameleon i want to be the person that they like and stuff and i think this is really a universal f- feeling sure but do you, what do you think that you know being a, a basically or you know being in an environment where you're the foreigner like i just mean that generally not necessarily specifically to here. Sure. But do you think being in an environment where you're the foreigner actually contributes to that, like, more? Like, I'm a, like you, are you on the back foot a bit more as a foreigner? Like, are you more kind of like, oh, my God, like, I have to try really hard. I have to fit in. I'm a foreigner. They're going to think, oh, my God, who's this foreigner person? I, I don't think it's it's that much as much as like I I don't I don't think so like not not for me at least like I I think being a foreigner in another country definitely doesn't help when you're trying mm-hmm. to fit in but it's not really the reason why I aggressively try to fit in in fact I think I fit in the least in India like we mm-hmm. can talk about it later but like I I think it's from that experience uh I, I feel like a very strong uh, desire to fit in to give you like the cliff notes. Essentially I, as alluded to earlier, like I didn't have a lot of strong friendships when I was like growing up uh, all the way till college. But after college, when I started interacting with people more then I realized that like, Hey, there are certain things that you could do in order to fit in. And mm-hmm. once I started fitting in, I felt like I wasn't alone Right. And so that kind of drove my uh, aggressive pursuit of like wanting to fit in every time. And that has helped me because that's a really good way to meet new people and like not be socially lonely. Mm. Right. And there were times like when it doesn't also take a toll. It does take a toll. And over the course of time, like you have to like 
burn these like mm. you know fake bridges that you've built that <laughs> go nowhere, right? Like because uh, yeah, I mean, but, what, but okay, what, my, my because I feel like I just don't do that because my my take on it is what what what's the point? What's the point in like building a relationship with somebody, which is kind of fake, and then going through a long laborious process of defaking it well i mean it's like... not it's not long and laborious <laughs> but it 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 just leaves like a bad aftertaste like that's what mm. the toll that i meant was like like i don't write like a letter to someone saying that we're terminating our friendship like or some shit mm. like that but it, it's mostly that like you stop hanging out with that person and then mostly for reasons that you knew were always like a problem yeah yeah and yeah. then they just kind of amplify over time because you kept hanging out with the same person yeah it's kind of like a breakup without the breakup right like it's the things that take toll on you over a course of time yeah. and then you're like fuck i don't want to deal with this shit anymore or this person again completely selfish very short term uh it's a problem that i know that i have mm. and actually moon to london has helped me mm kind of get out of this yeah. it's it's in the thing i find quite interesting about it though is is actually a little bit that there is nothing like about essentially you know like there is nothing about you being a foreigner and there is nothing about your race or anything like that involved in this no but it's weird because and i wonder that surprises me a little bit because it i feel like it definitely played a part for me and I wonder whether that's because I was born here. Like, so my, f like, very young childhood, my formative years, like, I was very much in a, mi a minority. Right. You know, in the minority. And, like, I, like, this concept that we're talking about, um, you know, me just trying, like, you know, just being, like, desperate to fit in was, like... F almost day one of my life was 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 that right like really hardcore like you know i'm like i say i'm i'm like late 30s now there is a, a a kid from my nursery school that i vividly remember because um i i was essentially a little bit i was bullied at, like very early on like so like nursery school like kindergarten right and it is burned into my mind and like even then like and this was like so almost like like basically my very first days of interaction with other children at all really was really colored by like me having been bullied at that super young age and I remember vividly, and I remember vividly being aware of my race, right. like from the get go, because of this this bully. And I think this bully also there was some racial stuff as well. Sure, of course. So I think you know, like, um, you know, as 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 a tiny four year old, like seeing a brown person, whatever, like maybe they they're not heavily exposed or whatever, just slinging some crazy like completely nonsense racial insults they, they, they don't like for this four-year-old kid clearly has no idea i don't know what kind of family home his he grew up in you know right you know what his you know parents were saying at home about asian people or whatever it's crazy i don't know how what the you know what the trigger was yeah but... i mean ultimately like 
you know, the you can almost guarantee, and most of the time this is the case with bullies, I guess, but you can almost guarantee, like, I just had a much nicer life than he did. Of course. Like, a, probably a far better childhood, better home. Like, a better home, like a nicer environment that I was in. But, yeah, I was so aware of it, like, from the start, really. And I think, I wonder whether... You know, having that from right from the beginning and having to deal with this, like, from day one kind of can have the effect of kind of empowering you as 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 going, like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm I, I, you know, like, I don't want to get sucked into this. Of course, like, you just had more practice. Uh, like, I, mm. I didn't have to fit in until I went to university, essentially, because... I had a very sheltered childhood and people, people people never told me that I had to fit in because I kind of fit in. Like yeah. I was surrounded with people like me, like the same socioeconomic mm. status. Uh, I was in the smart kids section. Mm. So everyone there was very studious, <laughs> very clever, uh, except Dan, uh, who <laughs> had like other skills that made up, uh, made up for his uh, not so cleverness. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I didn't really get exposed to the larger reality of like living alone because yeah. in India most of your time like even if you go to school it's consumed by family like going to relatives house as a kid like there is a lot of that uh, and every summer vacation I would go to my grandparents house like why would I need friends to play with in summer vacation I had my sister like yeah. and then we would yeah. play together yeah. so there wasn't like a lot of oh you need to build like your own social circle mm. you need to have friends that you can share your life with that wasn't really a priority till much later. And then I was kind of thrown into it all at once by being away from home, from mm. everything that had like a support system mm. kind of vibe to it. Just being in university by myself when I was 16 years old. Mm. Uh, so I did the best I could. Like, and then I still have like parts of it that I'm, it's a work in progress really. Mm. Uh, and I think, the the biggest takeaway from this entire conversation for me is like how you phrased it as like using it like a tool. I think that's a very healthy attitude towards some of the skills that you have. Because for a long time, mm. I thought my social skills were non-existent. Once mm. I discovered them, I was full on like Magneto mode. Uh, I was just like, I'm going to I'm going to create chaos with it, like by trying to meet very different kinds of people. Some of them clearly had issues, but what like now they want to party with me like how cool is that right like oh uh, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right like yeah, yeah. it just felt like this kind of the secret power that you could use to uh, find something interesting to say different to different groups of people right like and it's yeah. it's very yeah. rewarding everybody, everybody has well not everybody i guess but like a lot of people have that that moment of realization right i, mean, I guess it's kind of like is it deep? i mean for me i think it's almost like that process is almost like discovering who you are because it's where you go like oh like this is part of me right oh, i'm just banging the mic again this is part of me that works exactly like, essentially like it works like if i put it out there people you know people kind of go like hey this is interesting but, or not everybody necessarily but some people sure and like but that's that's again like a quite healthy way of looking at it like the way i would phrase it in a more obsessive way is like oh i know some some way to connect with these people right like 
there was never a question of using it discriminately, like in the sense that like I used to hang out with like all kinds of people, like till something really weird happened. Like either I found out that they were racist towards like some people or mm. like some narrow mindedness or over the course of time, I had to like also formulate these values by hanging out with like everyone. Uh, I still remember the story when like one of the guards uh, who we used to smoke cigarettes with like in university uh went to jail for like honor killing or something something ridiculous oh right like so we were kind of hanging out with this person and then he went to jail like and then i started questioning like why was i like clearly there were signs like that he was not the most feminist person right like uh, wow Aren't, like so who was this guy sorry so this guy was like a security guard at the university. Oh, right, right. But then but he used because, to just hang. Yeah, because like some, smoking was weird, smoking yeah. <laughs> smoking was illegal at the school. So if you had to smoke weed yeah. or smoke cigarettes, you had to do it at a place, and usually the guards would walk around. Okay, some guy has discovered yeah, yeah. that like if you give him some of your weed or yeah, like if you yeah. give him some money, he's not gonna bother you. Uh, so he got so. On oh god, on so this is in Hong Kong as well, right? No, no, this no. is in India. Oh, this is in India. Yeah. Okay, okay, this is in India. And everybody's kind of Indian. Are they? Everyone's right? Indian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was busted for honor killing. I think, if I remember correctly, we never saw him again. And the yeah. guard who replaced him said, like he killed his sister. Yeah. Do you have what's your kind of exposure to a lot of these like really super stereotypical crazy things? I have many stories regarding that, but like, yeah, I've got, I've got, to be honest, I've probably got a few as well. Yeah. Right. Like I, yeah. the, 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 I think the part that is interesting is like, after this whole thing happened selfishly, the first thing that I thought was like, what was, what was I doing? Like talking to this guy or like hanging out in a group of friends, like that was talking to this guy. I myself like never really talked to this person that much because my Hindi wasn't that good. Uh, mm. But I was definitely hanging out in groups where I knew this guy, right? Like, yeah. uh, and then I started like saying like, oh, now based on like how some of these people react to what he did, uh, do I still want to hang out with the same group of people that oh, I was what? hanging out? So, so, so some of those people were like, oh, he, no, God, we really want to know what he did in a way. Let's say, let's say some kind of, well, I mean, any form, of, yeah, any form of honor killing. Yeah, I was going to say, any form of honor killing is pretty fucking terrible, right? So what they, some of those people were defending. They, they were not, like, but in that moment, like, I asked that question, like, would I still hang out with, with oh, right. the, the yeah. subset of people if they were like, you know what, like, I kind of get it. Nobody at my school were like that regressive, but it's still like a valid question, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure if that guy was here and not in jail, he would be like defending honor killing because he did it. Yeah. Right? Like, and I was talking. Yeah, maybe. What, what did you think? God, do you think? Oh my God, I guess they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, you defend it. It's just crazy. Sometimes I think, like, if they, you know, sometimes I have think, if you were, like, if you, well, I don't know, you. You killed your daughter because you didn't approve of like her yeah, partner. who she was having sex yeah, with, yeah. like, or if she yeah. was having sex with the right like, gender. In, like, weirdly in my mind, weirdly in my mind, I yeah, I mean, like, it's it's, it's so far removed, isn't it? It's hard to come. I mean, you can't really comprehend it. It's so far removed. From exactly. Like, I mean, like, I can't get did. into the headspace of this guy. Yeah, exactly. So nor you, do I want. To. Yeah, no, yeah. But in, weirdly, like, what it gets replaced with the vacuum that it gets replaced with is. 
oh surely like afterwards they're like oh god what have i done like that's such a stupid thing to do like i'm an idiot but actually you probably yeah like a lot of them probably like no like she did this x y and z she deserved to die right like and and i mean there's definitely a small but Uh, non-zero person i need to do another i need to another comfort break (laughs) i can't take it anymore Whoops. Uh, well, that break was actually the end of the show. Uh, drop us a message on social media uh, to let us know what you think and join the discussion. The links at DarjeelingInCigarettes.com. Uh, hope you enjoyed it today, folks. Thanks for listening.